0: This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is being recorded on January 27th. To hit the internets on January 28th. Remember, you can always listen to the show on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, and follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13. And at Red Ticket Blues, so it is the Thursday talk, another edition. Yes, yes. And this week, we have Mr. Greg Doyle, who is a sports columnist for the Indianapolis Star, also known as Indy Star. Um... Greg was great. He he got into all the the jobs he's had throughout his year, throughout his career, the twelve years at CBS Sports. He's now at the Indianapolis Star. Like I said, we 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 uh, got into a little bit of his unique writing style, uh, issues he's dealt with throughout the years, and you know the current issues that that are always seem to bother him. That being Patriot fans, but there's a ton of other stuff. Let's let's just get into it because I'm babbling. He is a sports columnist for the Indianapolis Star and formerly of CBS Sports. He is Greg Doyle. Greg, welcome to the Red Ticket Blues podcast.
1: It's my honor to be on, Brian. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so, real quick, it's been a little over a year since the move to the star. How is everything going?
1: Oh, better than I thought, better than I could have imagined. Um, in a lot of ways, but I guess the, the most important way, is, I suppose, for, for the purpose of this is professionally, um, you know how you, you look back at things you've done over the years, and, and when you're in the moment, you might not realize what your motivation was, mm-hmm. and you look back and you go, oh, I see why I did that. Well, I look back at... Um, and who I was at the Indy Star and who the way I wrote, and I'm sorry, at CBS, and the way I wrote and the stories I chose to write about and the angles I chose to take, and I never wrote anything I didn't believe, but I was definitely writing in a way to get attention. The point wasn't just, hey, let's write a story and and then move on to the next story. No, the point was, let's write a story in a way that gets attention and then move on to the next story. And I, I mean, again, I meant everything I wrote, but you, know, you can choose to write it one way or another way, and I would choose the way that would get attention. Yeah. And didn't at the time you don't see it, you know, but just like I used to cover baseball for the Miami Herald, didn't realize how much I didn't enjoy that lifestyle until I left the beat and realized, Oh man, that was hard. I really like covering college basketball for the Charlotte Observer. So you look back and you see things differently. Well I look back and see how it was at C B S and now I'm at the Indy Star and I don't have to try to get attention. I'm not, you know, just some national internet site competing with everybody else and with no no home base. You know, you have no home crowd that's gonna read you every day. You, you have to you have to generate attention where you get none. You work for a newspaper and you've got your, your subscribers that that read you. Period. And so you can just kind of relax and, and do the right thing at all times as opposed to whatever will get attention.
0: Now you are from Mississippi growing yep. up there and I, I realize this, this question is beyond cliche and hokey, but I get different responses from guests. So, is being a sports writer what you set out to do?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, um, yeah, I, I learned how to – I mean, I learned how to read. Now, at the time, I was in Oklahoma when I was five. I, I was in Mississippi from ages seven to maybe 13. I learned how to read by reading the sports page of the Sunday Oklahoman, um, the Daily Oklahoman with my dad. You know I, I loved Oklahoma football as a kid. My dad went to OU, so – grew up in the wishbone era of Billy Sims and Elvis Peacock and guys like that. So I learned how to read by literally he would slide the paper over to me. And that's how I learned how to read. And, and then I, you know, I, until I was about 13, at this point I'd left Mississippi and I'm now in Wisconsin, but I'm in ninth grade. And my, um, my English professor or English teacher in ninth grade says to me just off the cuff comment, Hey, um, cause I, I played sports. Like a lot of kids I played, whatever was in season I played on the team. And, and she said, you like sports. And, you're a pretty good writer, I guess, for essays, whatever. You're, you like sports. You're a pretty good writer. Have you ever thought about being a sports writer? And I really never thought about it, I don't think. But at that moment, that was the light bulb. And so since I was 13, that's, this is what I was going to do.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Uh, you moved around before settling in at CBS Sports in 2003. And you've established a unique writing style. Like you said, it's changed a little bit. But it's still a very unique writing style. Um, now, here's a double barrel question. Why do people love your writing, and why do others despise it?
1: <laughs> well, I hope some people love it. Um, I hope some of them. I like do. how
0: uh, I like how that was the one part you didn't say. Oh, why would you say people despise it? You just said uh, I hope people love it.
1: <laughs> oh, I do. I hope those exist. I know the ones that don't. I, you know, I mean, I, that's just me being. I don't know. I guess falsely modest. Uh-huh, I know. Yeah. I know there are people who love it. You know, you hear from them. Twitter, Twitter allows you, and Facebook and email too, but. It allows you to hear from people, and so you you know what they think. You, you know, before really before Twitter, all you ever saw was the on, online was the message boards. CBS had message boards below the story, and for the most part, no one has moved to go to a message board unless they're angry uh, uh, below stories. That, that's just you don't get on message boards to really say how great something is. You get on there to rip it or to rip somebody in the story. So, and plus I was. I was very rippable at CBS. I was always ripping somebody. So, I mean, you weren't going to love what I did at CBS. I mean, you might, like if I was going after, you know, LSU's basketball coach at the time, John Brady, if I was going after him, well, maybe the rest of the SEC might love it, but LSU fans hated it, that sort of thing. But but now um, I write a lot of nice stuff now, and so people like nice stuff. And so I find things in my community that are nice and rootable for, and I write about them, and folks like to read that, that stuff. As far as the people that don't like it, um, they exist, and most of them are in New England. Um,
0: we'll get to that, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, the, here's how it is. If you you write a story about a, any team that's broken rules, any team, and has been caught breaking rules, and you come out with both barrels blazing, that team, whoever it is, their readers will hate you, and pretty much everybody else will love it. Because, yeah, you told them off, yeah. And in that one little fan base, that insular fan base, wherever it is, they'll hate it. And it's not like this is not rocket science, but when I was at CBS, I learned that, you know, one day I'd rip Chip Kelly at Oregon for cheating with, or or for having somebody cheated at Oregon to get Michael James. And I wrote that. And of course, Oregon fans rather rather than nodding and saying, yeah, we got caught there. No, they all hated me. But the rest of the Pac-10 thought, not the rest, but whoever else read it around the Pac-10 thought, yeah, you tell Oregon they're we're tired of them cheating. That's just the way it goes. Um, So I, I don't, I can't imagine for life me why somebody wouldn't like me unless I've ripped your school or team, because I, who I am now is not, you know, I'm not writing anything really all that mean anymore.
0: Um, recently, you wrote a piece, which we'll get to the actual content of it in a little bit, but you ended it with this one statement: "I'm not worried about being wrong," and I, and I've heard you say this before in interviews. Um, with social media, the way it is, and we're, we're just talking about how, and, and even comments on message boards. Does this does this involve you ignoring vile comments on Twitter or anywhere else, or do you just read them and not take them too seriously?
1: Oh, I I try to ignore them. The problem is on, especially on Twitter, it's a little bite-sized. So you know, it used to be you'd get an email from somebody or maybe a message board post, and and people would, wouldn't be limited to 140 characters. So they'd, they'd write whatever was on their brain, and you'd get about a sentence in and realize this is going to be ugly, <laughs> and you'd skip it and you move on. But Twitter, it's 140 characters. By the time you realize this is going to be ugly, you've already read it, and it is ugly. So I, what I do is, if anybody, like you can look, you can disagree with what I write, you can not like what I write, you can any of that uh, is fine. But if you're like mean spirited about it, and I mean I mean awful, um, if you're awful, like there's no redeeming quality to reading that. Like that doesn't do me any good at all to read that I should be dead, or to read that I should be fired or to read that the indie star is a joke for hiring me, um, and especially and most people that write those are from other markets, um, then I'm muting you. So I'll just eliminate you. Because like, people like that typically write more than once. Um, then I'll just hit mute. I'm not going to block you. You want to follow me? You want to re- click my links? I'll get a free click out of you. I'm not blocking you, and you'll never know you've been muted. It's a thing. You don't know. You, like, if you've been blocked, you know. And they people, the worst of the worst, take that as a victory. Ah, I got under his skin. He blocked me. You, you go on Twitter, and every now and then, like, I'll see it. People will rip me, and I'll, I'll click on the bio. Like, who is this, and why is he so angry? Oh, A, you're from New England, usually. <laughs> and B, your Twitter your Twitter bio will say, I've been blocked by a Coward, Whitlock, and
0: Simmons. Or yeah, something I've, ne- like I've that. never understood that sort of uh, the, the proclamation, uh, wanting I don't know, credit for being blocked by all these people.
1: <laughs> well, it's listen, in this day and age, and I, I get that I've got a job where it's I don't have to worry about it. Uh, but in this day and age, you know, Twitter and the social media and the internet allows all of us the chance to be to make a mark. All of us, we all have the chance. And some people are okay not ever making a mark, and I, I mean a public mark that that is noticed around the world. That's fine. People that do behind-the-scenes work are the best people. They they don't care about credit. and That's beautiful. But there are some people that want credit, even if it's even if the only credit they can ever get is being blocked, and so they want to brag about it. So. Anyway, I'm never, I'm not blocking you because I'm not, you're not going to put my scalp on your wall. He blocked me, no, but you'll just get muted and I'll never hear from you again. But uh, Twitter, Twitter, social media allows the worst of the worst to be heard. It allows all of us to be heard, and that's great. But there are some people that just don't. I mean, I don't know, you know, First Amendment, yay, but I'm not. But there are some people that don't. The things they say don't deserve to be heard.
0: Um, no, I agree. They're not, that.
1: they're not adding anything to the public discourse other than. Negativity. I mean, and, and I don't mean negativity. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about hatred. There's levels here, okay. Um, if you're if you're spewing hatred, you're getting
0: muted. I uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, another distinctive quality about your writing, and it
1: you haven't it, mentioned one yet. What what is a distinctive quality? Okay. I'm curious to know. Like what? How how am I so distinct?
0: I like the idea of well, you you've used this term before, and it's the and, it, and it, it's definitely a positive, I think. Some people maybe don't. Uh, you, you use the word meification. You involve yourself in the stories. Sure. Um, why? Absolutely. Why is it? Do you use that practice?
1: Um, because, because I'm a narcissist, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also, you know, I, when I was at Charlotte Observer, uh, my my sports editor my, named Mike Persinger told me something. You know, you, you get little lessons along the way that some stick, some don't. But I wasn't writing columns when I was. Sort of a kind of a hybrid features columnist, features beat writer. I was, you know, my writing style was what it was. So you really can't tell me what I am. I'm going to write the way I write, and that's the way it is. But he would tell me, take people, take people places they can't go, tell them something they don't know. In other words, you've got access, you've got insight. You're you're on press row, you're you're at a the Tar Heels basketball practice when the doors are closed. I mean, you you see things no one else sees. Show them those things give them something that they can't read anywhere else and a lot of that and, and it, my writing style comes down to my personality style and my interview style and my interview style and my personality style is really to kind of it's the it, look it's the way i play chess the way i play chess is this i flood the board the middle of the board like uh, it's chaos all my pieces are coming out in the middle of the board you know my power against your power and we'll see who can notice who can notice more stuff and if you don't notice that your your queen's about to get taken, then you're you're about to lose. You know that's so I'm not saying I'm good at chess. <laughs> I'm just saying that's how I play. Um, the way I box is the same way. I'm walking forward. I don't care who you are. Like I had a fight with Chris Lytle. Um, it was a it was an exhibition, but I mean I was trying to knock his block off, and he was trying to knock mine off. He's a former UFC fighter. We had a fight. It was a fundraiser local local gym that helps Parkinson's patients. Anyway, they raised some funds, sold tickets, and had a bunch of boxers there and the main event, such as it is, was Chris Lytle against me, and the way I fought him and I lost. Let <laughs> me make, make, make it very clear that I lost. Um, is I I walked him all over the ring. I, I walked him down all over the ring. I'm chasing him. I mean, he beat the hell out of me. But that's just how I do stuff, okay? And so that's how I write too, and how I report. And my reporting style is to ask very very blunt questions that get you know whatever answers they're going to get, and you really can't. I mean, I guess you could, but I'm not going to. You really can't just present the quotes without saying exactly why that quote happened. Well, that quote happened because I chased that guy down the hall after the game, found him in the coat closet, and asked him, why are you hiding in a coat closet? You know, that sort of thing. Um, And you really can't do a quote justice without letting people know, here's what it looked like when I got that quote. And some people might think that's a little bit narcissistic, and maybe it is, but – my whole thing is I'm trying to show you exactly how the story came together, not just because I want to show you how the sausage was made, because I think sometimes those little insights into how they reacted to me shows who they are. And, uh, and along the way it shows who I am too, I guess.
0: I think it paints a better picture. You know, you stroke all through and exactly you create an illustration that maybe you didn't have. It sets it apart from the other, you know, illustrations, so to speak from other, other columnists. Um, Last October, you made a career change that many don't do. You, you left a job as a columnist on a national website in CBS Sports to join a local newspaper in the Indy, Indy Star. Not the road many take. Um, why did you make this move?
1: Well, first of all, the way it happened was I didn't know I was going to want to do this. Um, Bob Kravitz was the star columnist, and it was the job was open um, for about three months, I think, before I before I – started working there as i recall because i it was it seemed like it was june or july when he left or announced he was leaving and i found the news out on twitter like everybody finds out everything nowadays is um bob kravitz is leaving the indy star for some local tv station and i know bob i like bob i lived in cincinnati an hour and a half away and have friends in indy and like indy and but my my reaction was i mean just out you know you don't know what you think until you're posed a and, and, I was posed to predicament on Twitter, which is Bob Kravitz is just Lizzo little star. And my only thought was, I hope they call me. That thought just kind
0: of came blurting into my brain.
1: And I'm almost literally looking over my shoulder like, who said that? Because I'm not into
0: change. I don't oh, i You've be been at CBS I, for 12, 12 years? Is that correct? I was
1: – yeah, I, I think 11, 03 to – yeah, okay. 11, 11 and a half and – um, I don't. I just like every. I've owned two or three houses in my life, and every time I've owned a house, I've told my wife, and we've gotten divorced since. But like, I want to. I want to die in this house. I want to die with that couch. I want to, you know, eat the same meal every day. I'm going to wear these jeans. I. I don't. I don't want to move. I, I don't like change. Okay. And but the star job came open, and I blurted out, "I hope they call me," which is just a massive change. Uh, I'm, I'm asking for, and sure enough, about two hours later, they emailed me and said, "Hey, Greg, well, this is Ronnie from the Indy Star managing editor. Would you call me later?" And I, I knew right away. I think I know what they want. And uh, anyway, I, so I, I wasn't. It wasn't like I was looking leap leave CVS. Is kind of my point there. But uh, it, and it wasn't going to be. Um, so I live in Cincinnati, and it, it wasn't just a matter of the Indy was two hours away and close enough. Like say Louisville had called me or Columbus had called me, I would not have. I would not have said, I hope they call me, and then taken it. Um, but something about the city, that, and nothing wrong with those cities, but something about Indy I just love, have always loved, and thought I would love to live there. Just thought I would. And also, um, I, like I said earlier, I, I kind of wanted to, I, without realizing it till the, until it came open, I kind of thought, you know what, I need a home crowd. I need, um, and they're not like my home crowd, but I need a home crowd The star has subscribers. I think my strength as a writer can be and will be if you read me, if you, have, if you have no choice, but you read me every day or every three or four days a week or something, I think over time you're going to like me. Um, the problem with doing the national thing is you write something like I was doing. it. You write something, you get a lot of attention, and the people that give you attention are the people that you ripped in Oregon or whatever, and so they get one crack at you, and they don't like you. And, and a year later, you could, you could write nice things 99 times out of 100 but that fan base will always remember the one time you ripped them. And I've got little franchises of fan bases that didn't like me over the country, and just thought, you know what? I like this is not who I am. I'm not I'm not Jay Mariotti. Okay, I'm not I'm not a bad guy. Uh, but I have written in a way that people might think I am. It's my fault. So I thought I want to go somewhere where there's a home crowd, let them get to know me, and and maybe I'm going to calculate wrong and they're going to hate me. You, you get to know me and you hate me. Maybe that happens, but let's find out.
0: No, that's, uh, that, I can understand that, especially with, uh, it seems like definitely with college uh, athletics, it seems like the, the groups definitely rise up and go after a writer when a negative piece is. I mean, I listened to uh, your former colleague, Gary Parrish on uh, the CBS College Basketball podcast, and he is always talking about certain fan bases that just can't stand him and will not stop, even about an article from you know five, ten years ago, still, they're just always on top of him.
1: Oh, I'm still hearing, right. They they have long memories, and e- even when you're proven right, like if you write that uh, something's happening and this guy eventually is going to lose his job, or something's happening and, and this is this shouldn't be happening that way, and three years later it turns out, you know what, you were right about that. Fan- people don't remember that you're right or law school or fair. They don't remember that. All they remember is that five years ago you wrote something I didn't like, therefore you're a jerk, and it really doesn't even <laughs> – it really, the details don't even matter. And so, I yeah, it, it is college sports, but it's all sports. I mean, and again, Patriots fans are miserably angry at me. The, the worst of the worst. This is not an indictment of the whole region. Just the ones that, the ones that want me to die, okay, those are miserable. Um, But, but they're like that. I, I've had Pittsburgh Steelers fans come after me when I'd ride by Big Roethlisberger over the years and not in a long time. Anyway, fan bases are fan bases. College Pro, they're fan bases. They, they... They kind of are all the same, to be honest with you. They're all the same. Um, you, they they all they react the same way to, to negative, and they react react the same way to positive. And you know, with, with, there are exceptions, but in the broad sense, there's really no difference between the Tennessee fan base that I that hated me when I was ripping Lane Kiffin, and the New England fan base that had hated me over to They're they're the same people. It's just different different uh, jersey colors.
0: You mentioned, uh, you know, having a base, a fan base uh, uh, when when you join the star. And we're going to talk Indiana. Uh, Hoosier Hoops is a must. Uh, The basketball team has has turned their program around this season. For the past few years, the fan base has basically, you know, lit up the torches and and raised the pitchforks and directed it right at Tom Crean and wanted him out of town. But you recently wrote that he is the one who's changed for the better. Uh, Did you think that change was remotely possible?
1: No, no, because he is – he is Type A. Uh, I mean, extreme Type A. You know, even in a even in a world where most coaches are Type A guys and hard grinders, and you know, in that world, there are, there's a whole bunch of Tom creams out there. You know, that's what that's that's how you rise that through the ranks. Even given that, he's more intense, hard charging, hard working, demanding than than I almost than I've almost ever seen. And um and I it's not like I'm an expert on every coach, but I've, I covered college basketball for 10, 11 years for CBS. And, you know, I, I paid attention. So I, while I can't say definitively, I'm right about that statement. I'm not coming in as a, as a long NFL writer, making that announcement. Like I, I, I kind of know that sport and know the people in it. And he's, he takes intensity to a whole new level. And people like that don't change. And then again, people like who I was at CBS don't change. Jay Mariotti, has never changed. He will always be Jay Mariotti. And there's a reason no one, I don't even know where he is right now.
0: I don't mean to. I think he's with the San Francisco Chronicle. He is? Yeah, I'm almost positive.
1: Okay. Really? Uh, Yeah, I know. Odd,
0: odd move. I know. I don't say odd, but I mean, just sort of off the, off the, off the grid. I I don't I guess I'm just sort of not, not where you expect him to be.
1: You know what I kind of like about this whole exchange here is that Jay, he's very talented. Okay. Jay Marotti is very talented guy. Yes. he yes. Um, yeah. And, and very and famous, And is apparently, if, if you're right, working as a sports columnist, I assume for one of the bigger papers out West and has been for however many weeks or months or years, he's been there. And I literally didn't know that that's how far off the radar he is. Um, and now I'm dancing on his grave a little bit, but you know, you beat women, you're dead to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's dead to me. Um, and also, he's dead to me for some personal reasons we can talk about later. We don't have to. I really don't care. Um, although it seems like I care a lot because I keep bringing him up. My point is just that I've been, I've been compared to him a lot over the years, right. and, and I look back and see it, and I see why. I see it. And uh, so anyway, so I, I changed. Well, Kreen, uh people like, that, like us don't change uh, because you got to a certain level doing it one way. Why would you change? I mean, you're the coach at IU. You got here doing it your way. Why would you change? Well, he kind of, I think his hand was forced a little bit. James Blackman is their 2nd league scorer this year, got injured, and they're sort of low on bodies on the perimeter. That I mean, they, they were sort of on the edge with him and losing him. Now they're low. And he had to cut back. He didn't have to, but decided, I better cut back practice time because uh, I don't want to grind our guys into dust in practice and have nothing left for games. And But you only get 20 hours a week, so we're going to spend that time watching film instead. So what he's got is a team that's, and it's not because James Blackman is not smart or not trying hard. It's not that, but because Blackman's gone, the way C- Crean is now coaching his team, they have gotten smarter, or at least more, you know, film educated, and they they're fresher, so they're they're giving better effort. So it, in a lot of ways, poor James Blackman looks like he was the problem, and he wasn't. The problem was was Crean's coaching style, and. And he's changed it, and I IU's re- reacting to it in a very, very positive way. On the, on the other hand, the, the the other side of the story is they haven't really played anybody. They've beaten everybody they played. They haven't played anybody. And I'm such a bad, I'm such a bad sports writer. Like you're finding me away. I'm my, my, my kids in Ohio, and I'm divorced, and so I'm I'm in Ohio. Um, didn't watch the game last night. I I think IU played Wisconsin last night at Wisconsin.
0: Yes, I think they lost. Did they? Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure.
1: I don't even know who won. I you know I should know this. This is I don't know when you're going to put this up. But this is uh this is Wednesday morning at about 9:30 a.m. and I'm so locked into my life over here with with my kids that I don't even know what happened last night. So but until last night they hadn't played anybody. Last night was the first chance really to kind of play somebody good A and B on the road and prove it. And they maybe they didn't last night, but they've gotten better with cream relaxing the reins.
0: Uh, staying within uh, your recent pieces, we're going to go back to that one where I said uh, you ended with. You're not worried about being wrong. The subject was Peyton Manning and the HGH allegations. You believe that Al Jazeera report is dead wrong. Uh, in a sports world that appears as if it's pulsating with PDs, seems like all the time. Yeah. What about Peyton Manning makes you believe? You know, believe your stance.
1: Well, I would believe that report was was right with better, with more, more info, more better info. Um, you know, if if they have Peyton Manning on video shooting HGH into his rear end, then I'll believe your report's right. It's not like he's he's not – I can't possibly – I mean, he didn't do it. I don't care what you say. It's not that. But um, from the moment the report came out, the, the main guy in, in there uh, has backed off it. Now, some people would say, well, yeah, he backed off. He's afraid to get him sued. Well, that's one way of looking at it, and it might be right. Mm-hmm. He, but another way of looking at it is he really didn't realize – I mean, he's just talking out of his rear end kind of kind of being self-important he strikes me as a hanger-on anyway a guy that likes to be on the periphery of famous people and found someone willing to listen to him and started talking about something and had no idea that what he was saying was going to go that crazy and and i wait a minute i was just talking i was just you know i didn't even i was not even tell the truth I, was, I just found someone listening to me talk about famous people so i said it it could be either one um and this is where and I wrote this. I I I want people to know exactly why I'm saying the things I say and write the things I write and you can then judge it or however you want. Um, not trying to fool anybody. Like I like Peyton Manning. I don't personally I don't know him. I think I've spoken to him one on one in my life one time for about two minutes. Um, and he was he left Indianapolis long before I got here. Mm-hmm. But he in my city there's the Peyton Manning's children's hospital and he... He doesn't just put his name on it. He, like, phones will ring in hospital rooms, and a parent will answer the phone, and they'll hear, "Hi, this is Peyton Manning, calling to see how your son's doing." And after hearing how his son's doing, Peyton will say, "Is it okay, if I talk to him or your daughter," and the phone will get handed to, to a little twelve-year-old. Now you're talking to Peyton Manning, and people don't know that. I mean, I found that out, but it's not. I mean, he doesn't put a press release out saying I called four hospital rooms today. He just does it. So there are people that you root for. And in this in this case, I'm no different than Patriots fans who want to believe in Tom Brady. I'm no different in, than the Tennessee fans who wanted to believe in Lane Kiffin when he was there. You know, you believe in who you want to believe in, and that's why you're. I mean, that's what fans do. I am a Peyton Manning as a human being fan, and I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. I and I'm a fan. It's got nothing to do with football. It's off the field stuff. So anyway, that's the guy I believe in. In large part because I want to believe in it. So until a report comes out with a lot better stuff than one idiot shooting his mouth off and and Peyton Manning's wife has HGH. And I understand HGH is used by athletes. I get that. It's also used by middle-aged women trying to stay young. I mean, I we don't we don't know what her health health issues are, if any. We don't know any of that stuff until you make me believe he's guilty. Guilty. I'm just not gonna do it.
0: That's more than fair. Uh, just quickly, Wisconsin 82-79 last night over. Ah, okay. Um, I hear your voice. I don't want to say a lot. I know that actually sounds creepy now that I say it. Um, yeah. What I meant is, I live in Connecticut, so I'm sort. I of have New York sports radio and Boston sports radio. So I, I, I've heard your stance and other takes with Indianapolis NFL roots, so to speak, to yeah. you know the belly of the beast in Boston, sure. particularly the Dennis and Callahan sports show, sports radio show on WEI. Yep. What about that show makes for such passionate? Uh, our, you know, with, with also with Kurt Menahan, uh, what makes that such passionate radio for everyone to listen to?
1: Um, well, all I know is what happens when I'm on there. <laughs> um, but they're they're very good. You know, they're very they're very good at what they say, and they're very they're very they're not holding back, and they're saying exactly what they think. So they're, they're good at it, a. But also the fan base is so passionate up there, and it almost can't go wrong. Th- those hosts with that fan base, it can't go wrong, and they do they do in their city. In their market, what I do in mine, um, and and I it's the kind of thing that I and I sent Dan Levitard a tweet maybe a year ago, just a direct not not a direct because we don't follow each other, but a, a public tweet to Levitard, and I, he, he didn't respond. Maybe he didn't see it. You know, I, maybe he doesn't even man his man his Twitter feed all the time. Maybe he, maybe he saw it and didn't care. I don't know. All I know is um, he and I were friends when I was at the Miami Herald, and he was a certain way back then. This is the mid 90s. He was a butt kicker. I mean, he was the Prince of Darkness. That's what he did, and was great at it. Well, over the years, he's morphed like a lot of us do. And by the time, by the time LeBron James came to the Miami Heat, he was all about Miami and all about supporting, supporting the fans. And, and it came across to me as you're a Miami Heat homer, and I went after him a few times on Twitter because that's what I did back then and we went after each other a few back and forth. And now I look at it because now you know, you don't know what you don't know until you've walked in those shoes. Now I, I have the same job, although you know, not nearly as good, not nearly as powerful. I'm not saying that, but but I, I now have the Indianapolis Columnist job that he has in Miami, uh, or used to. I don't know if he does anymore. Um, and now I see it. I, I see what he was doing because I'm doing it here, and that's what in Boston, Callahan and those guys are doing there on the radio, not print is that you've got your areas back. And it doesn't mean that you want the Patriots to win. It doesn't mean that I want the Colts to win. It doesn't mean that Levitard wants the Heat to win. What it means is people in my market care about, and, and their market in New England, and Miami too, they care about their team, and and you care about your people. And so you want your people supported. And so you support them. And so if that means, if Tom Brady's been accused and you think unfairly, and, you, and your readers, your listeners, think unfairly of deflating footballs, then you come out, Against it, not so much because you're a Tom Brady homer, but because New England cares about this, I've got New England's back. So th- they do that up there. Well, gate, there was a winner and a loser. My city lost. And as I've said a million times, that game was going to go badly for New- Indianapolis no matter what. They could have been playing football with a Luther sponge, and the Patriots were going to win that game by a whole lot of points. That's not the point. The point is one team conspired ahead of time to rig the game ahead of time. And the team they conspired against happened to be the team in my town and my fan base. And you can't do that to my people. I mean, you can. You did. They did. But you can't do that to my people without me saying, I got my people's back. And New England, Callahan, they've got their people's back. And I understand it. And if New England fans don't understand me having Indy's back, then I don't know what to tell you.
0: No, uh, and that makes, I, I think the last time too, they, they had a the last time, I believe it was the last time you were on, they had trouble understanding. I mean, you said you were talking about Peyton and HGH and you said, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And they said, do you realize how much of a hypocrite you sound like? And you said, yes, I do. But I'm going to, you basically said what you just told me, you know, I'm going to have the people that I, that read my stuff. I'm going to have their back going forward. And just like you guys did. Right, and if
1: there's a reason, if, 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 and 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 I guess that does make me hypocrite, and maybe that makes me laughable, but it only makes me laughable in New England, okay? Because they, right. they want to laugh, you know. And I listen, I understand that. I under, this is not me being bitter about it. I understand just just like to use Lane Kiffin thing. Every time Lane Kiffin screwed up at Tennessee, I laughed about it at CBS because I wanted to laugh. You know, you could be a Tennessee fan and not want to laugh. You could be anybody else and maybe not want to. But because I didn't like him. Every time he gave me the excuse to laugh at him, I took it. Well, in New England, there are people, You know, I don't mean everybody, but the fan, the, the ones that don't like me, don't want to like me. And every time I give them an excuse, for example, saying I like Peyton, that makes me hypocrite, okay, they're going to laugh at me. It doesn't mean they're right. Um, just like me laughing at Lane Kiffin doesn't mean I was right then. It just, you know, you think what you think, and you, I, like, I, I appear to be the only person in this whole story, including the Callahan show, unless off-air off they say something else. I appear to be the only person here who understands that it's okay, it's okay to treat one fan, one story, one way, and another story another way because because your perspectives are different on two different stories. We are human beings. I'm not an IBM computer. You're not sp- putting in input and I'm going to spit out output. No, no, I'm a human being that lives in one city, and in this city here's the way it looks, and in that city there's the way it looks, and it's okay that we both see it different ways. And I don't understand why folks up in that part of the world don't don't see it.
0: Yeah, I, it, listen, it, <laughs> I'm with you there. I, I'm not really sure the the brainwaves on, on certain subjects when it comes to sports, they just, they just don't match up sometimes.
1: Yeah, but that's why you've got a podcast people want to listen to, and that's why I've got a newspaper that people want to read, I hope. And, <laughs> I mean, we, we need that. Like, we, right. we need those people. We need all these people that, that care about it so much that they consume information about it. That's what makes, that's why we have jobs. So on the one hand, it frustrates me. Um, on the other hand, you know that's that's why the sports media exists. So thank you guys all for being out there, even if, <laughs> even if you do uh, slash my tires. And you know I my and I don't know who slashed my tires. And I've I've made this clear. I don't know who did it. And if and you don't may not know what I'm talking about. And your listeners I'm sure don't. But I I, I wrote you know DeflateGate happened and, I, and and no one came out harder against that. I don't think probably than me. Uh, I hope not because I was pretty ridiculously hard. Um, the I the second thing I wrote. You know, the first thing I forget, but the second thing I wrote. So I wrote one thing, harsh, when the news broke, harsh, and people didn't like it up there. And then about a week later, maybe two days later, I don't even remember, it all runs together. Something else, more information came out, and I wrote something else, really, really harsh. And it went online on a Sunday night, I think, at about 9 9 p.m. I woke up Monday morning, and my tires was slashed. And, And I didn't know... Actually, it was flat. I I start driving down the road and I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? Thump, thump. Okay, and I pull into a gas I pull into a tire station, and said so I you know I popped a tire or something and the guy looks at it and, and takes it takes it off and tells me later after the fact like three or four hours later I've got a new tire and when I go to pay he goes hey who hates you, and I said I don't know how much time you have what are you talking about, <laughs> and he says because your tire you didn't you didn't run over a nail someone slashed that, and that was a tire person telling me my tire was slashed. Now I, I took a photo of the tire. The problem is on my tire. There's like a yellow stain on my tire, because years earlier I'd bumped up against a curb or something. You, know, you bump, you, you, yeah. you, you know. And so people saw that and said, "No, no, you you punctured on a curb, you idiot." Well, wait a minute. Wait. That stain has been there for a year. Okay, that that's not what happened. And I've got a tire person telling me unasked. I didn't tell him, "Hey, I think someone slashed my tire." Do you agree? No, no. no. I, I thought I ran over a nail, and he said, "Who hates you? Someone slashed this." But I've got I've got people up in that market saw my picture on Twitter, and have decided, hey, idiot, no one slashed your tire. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, I, I know someone slashed it. What I don't know is who. But you add two and two, and you get four. And uh, anyway, I'm over it, apparently. Maybe not. I'm over <laughs> Mariotti, though. Maybe. Maybe
0: not. Uh, uh, staying in Boston real quick. I mean, it's it's the headquarters to one of the most popular sports blogs in the country, that being Barstool Sports. Now, I realize Barstool and Deadspin, they're, they're not the same format, but what do you say to a person who strictly gets their news from you know, blogs
1: of that ilk? The, the world is full of people that believe what they want to believe, okay? And it's full of people that – and this is way beyond sports. Politics too. I don't care which side you vote. There are – most people, most, read only people that write their side. If you're a Republican, you read Charles Krauthammer and George Will, and, and you listen to Rush Limbaugh. If you're a liberal, you listen to Howard Stern and you read um, Leonard Pitts and, and you know and you don't hear any you don't want to hear the other side. You don't wanna hear it. And I think a lot of that is fear. Like you don't want to find out just how smart the other side is, therefore let me just ignore it. And let me just stay with my side and there's strength in, I mean, it's a cowardly way to go through life. There's strength in numbers. Let me surround myself by people that think just like I do and let, let me let me feel good about myself. I'm not out here by myself. I got a lot of people that think just like I do. And again, this this is not about Barstool, Deadspin, anybody. It's it's about the world. But as it relates to Barstool, or de, or Deadspin's dead more neutral. They go after everybody. But Barstool is a Boston awesome thing, I guess. Um, anyway, if if you're getting your news from a blog, then that you just want to believe what you want to believe, and you want to you want to see that other people think what you think, and you find comfort in that. And if that's how you get to bed at night, then get to bed at night that way.
0: If you could change one thing about sports media today what would it be oh wow broad Um, broad question i know
1: yeah i know um well and the way you know for me it's it's an issue here i I would change that success is measured by hits um i understand that the genie's out of the bottle we're never going back so it'll, it'll never happen Hits do matter. I mean, I'm I'm not stupid. Hits matter because you sell advertising. I get it. But I, if we could go back to the days where you just wrote what you wanted to write in your newspaper, uh, and I'm not saying get away from the internet. I'm just I wish everybody. I wish talk radio. I wish internet, newspapers, TV. I wish everything was all about, including the way I write. I wish everything. I wish we all got measured purely on the quality of our work and not how many people noticed our work. Because again, when I was at CBS for ten years. I did, my, I did my best to get noticed, and, uh, and now I can just worry about quality, and I, I like worrying about quality so much more than worrying about attention.
0: That's a great answer. That really is. Um, I want to thank Greg Doyle for coming on, but before you go to play us out, I have three quick questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. I think you've answered this first one, but I'm going to ask it anyways. How pissed do you get when someone compares you to Jay Mariotti? Uh, was that really going to be one of your three? I swear to God. <laughs> you're kidding me. Um, well, listen,
1: it, it happened all the time ten ten years ago, eight years ago, six years ago, and it made me sick to my stomach. Um, it doesn't really happen anymore. Um, but if it did happen again, now, now you're comparing me to someone who's, you know, been found, you know, been been accused and I've found guilt. I'm not sure what the, the certain charges was.
0: were dropped, but he was. I think there there were certain ones that stuck. I believe.
1: So, yeah, so anyway, you're accusing me of a really bad guy. I mean, he's a bad guy, A, but he's a coward. Okay, so, I mean, he's a coward. Um, rips people and then doesn't show up. Even a coward to me, I saw him one time in the press room. The reason I, I really really had no respect for him is that I saw him in the press room one time and said, Jay, i got to tell you, I've been on Twitter today having making some fun of you. And, uh, you know, I see you in the press room, and I I feel gutless for not telling you, so I've been doing that. That was me. And he goes, who are you? You're something. I mean, he said something dismissive, which is fine, but then called his boss because his boss called me. I'm sorry. His boss called my boss. My boss called me, told his boss that Greg Doyle threatened me in the press room. Like Greg Doyle didn't threaten anybody. Um, That never happened. I, I merely told you I was making fun of you on Twitter. So anyway, I, there are people who go through life with, with absolutely no testicles at all. And he's one of them. And so to be compared to that guy, if it happens again and it will, will really ruin my day. Yes.
0: Number two, who is the best sports columnist out there right now? Who's the person you have to read when their column when their column is released?
1: Uh, Dan Wetzel. He, um, For Yahoo. He, yeah, from Yahoo. His angles are so good, and and often and, and he doesn't worry about clicks. He gets them, but he doesn't worry about it. He'll he'll write about a, a an issue about a high school kid or an issue about or he'll go cover a a, a trial and, and he just does. He does it the right way. He's not he's not merely let me write about the biggest things in the news every single day for my couch. He gets out and works it and and sees things, no one else sees cuz he's looking for them. He he does it the right 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 way. Very
0: good. And finally, with your head and not your heart, who wins Super Bowl 50?
1: Oh, uh, oh with my head. <laughs> oh, um Let's see. It's the, it's the Colts, it's the Broncos, um you know, I, it, I I want so badly for it to be uh, – I think I'm
0: in the same boat as you.
1: Yeah, I want so badly because I want Peyton to win. Right. And I want him to retire. Right. And and then move back to the United uh, I want that storybook ending. But, you know, they're, they're just barely beating people. They're just barely winning games. And they're playing a team that's blowing out people. It's pretty apparent what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I've just, I, I just hope it's not embarrassing. I really don't want to see a repeat of the Super Bowl a few years ago against Seattle.
1: Oh, uh, that was terrible.
0: I just Although, want to see competitive football.
1: Yeah, but last year's was actually more painful um, just because the flight game just happened. Yeah. Mean, it just happened. And Patriots fans, and it's not about wanting the Patriots to lose. It's not about I want, I want Belichick to lose. It's not that. It's that when they win, all I do is hear from their fans, like taunting me as if I got beat. No. So last year when it changed on a dime, that was so painful for me personally, merely because my Twitter feed, I, I almost couldn't look at it for two weeks. And it's that's no way to go through life, actually. So last year was about the most painful thing I've ever seen. But, yeah, otherwise, 55-7 is no good either.
0: They love chirping. They love chirping in Boston. He is a sports columnist for the Indianapolis Star. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Doyle Star. Mr. Doyle, thank you very much for being on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you for having me. So there you have it, Mr. Gregory Doyle. And uh, he is very opinionated. He's very unique. And I really appreciate him coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Very, very unique perspectives. Very honest guy. Very honest guy. And I think that's what makes him so great. Remember, you can always listen to the show on iTunes, tune in Radio Stitcher, YouTube, and follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13. And at RedTicketBlues, like the show on Facebook, and remember to leave a review on any of those venues or even just a five-star rating. I'll, I'll take either. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not begging. Yes, I'm begging. But I'm not choosing Either one. Uh, with all that being said, I'm out of here.